I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. Bay Area students are finally returning to classrooms. It's been more than a year of putting up with virtual school and being away from their friends and peers, but this week marks the first day of in-person instruction for the Oakland Unified School District during the pandemic, and next week it will be San Francisco's turn. There's plenty of relief and excitement among students and families, especially after navigating the anxiety and isolation of virtual learning. But the constant tug of war over how schools should reopen remains, especially with the Delta variant causing a surge in COVID cases in the Bay Area. Thousands of parents in San Francisco and across the state are making last-minute demands on school districts to expand distance learning options, even though California hasn't renewed its authorization for online learning or hybrid schedules. It's leaving limited options for families who are worried about the Delta variant and their unvaccinated kids, and it's creating a lot of frustration and tense debate. Chronicle education reporter Jill Tucker is here to talk about the start of the school season and the bumpy road ahead. Jill, thanks for coming back to talk about the ongoing saga of Bay Area school reopenings. Oh, my pleasure. It is an ongoing saga, isn't it? (laughs) It really is. So the last time you were on the show, which was just a couple weeks ago, you spoke about what we could expect from school reopening, and it's here now. And there was the general expectation of no social distancing, required masks, but now things are getting thorny again with the Delta variant. What are some families in San Francisco's unified school district saying now? Yeah, so so we have a bunch of school districts opening this week, um, and San Francisco opens next week along with a lot of other districts. And what we're finding is, because things are changing so quickly, especially with the Delta variant and rising case rates, and every day there's a headline about what's happening and what people are thinking about this, it's hard to understand exactly what's happening about who's getting vaccinated, who's required to get vaccinated. And so they're really calling on the district to give them more choice in terms of when or if they get to keep their kids home in um, distance learning. They are increasingly asking um, the district to increase the number of of spots that they have allocated for uh, uh, continued online learning this year. And remind us again, what kinds of options do parents have from the state or the city for those families that would rather not have their kids participate in in in-person instruction. Yeah, so initially the governor and the state legislature were just nixing all distance learning. They didn't want districts to have the option to go back to distance learning because of the devastating effects of it on so many children. Um, But they were convinced uh, sort of in an amendment to um, allow and, and frankly require districts to have some form of online learning or independent study available for families who determine that their child has a health risk um, of going back to school. Now, now the language of it is pretty vague. So that means, per usual, the thousand districts in California are all doing it differently and have different ways that they're offering um, distance learning or online learning to families and, and how many that they're offering that to. So in San Francisco, for example, they initially said they had 450 spots and people could apply by the end of July. It would not be with the student school. It would be sort of like an online learning academy with separate teachers and and online students going to that. Um, And, you know, parents were like, there's a lot more of us than 450. 
So the the district actually um, just announced that they will increase that to uh, 677, which is the number of families that applied for online learning. Mm -hmm. So they're granting it to all the families that applied by the deadline, and they'll have a rolling application from here on out. But it isn't guaranteed in every district. And, you know, so I think that that's what a lot of folks are saying, that they feel that there should be um, you know, parents should be able to opt out of in-person learning if they feel uncomfortable at any time or go back in to in-person mm -hmm. learning, um, that there should be flexibility for that. And right now, most districts just do not have the ability to adapt that quickly with teachers and other resources uh, to accommodate that kind of flexibility. And so 677 students who applied are now enrolled in that. But what is the number of families or parents that actually only want online only learning it's there's not enough spots for everyone yeah it doesn't seem like it i mean it's hard to pin down that number because families that enrolled in their schools for in-person learning are kind of changing their mind now because of the delta variant rethinking that decision to go back in person we do know that there's a p petition that was um largely originating out of the chinese american community in san francisco where there's more than two thousand families who signed on mm -hmm. asking for an online option um, and so that obviously far exceeds uh, the number of spots that are that the district currently has. Mm -hmm. And why might some people in the Chinese community be particularly concerned? We know that they make up a vocal group in the school district. So why is the Chinese community so concerned? You know, I talked to um, a professor of Asian American studies at San Francisco State to chat about that, to, you know, get some understanding of cultural differences or, or where that's coming from. And, you know, he noted that a lot of uh, Chinese and Asian American families um, are multi-generational in their households. And so there is concern about the elders at home, mm -hmm. even if they're vaccinated, right? The, there's often um, many generations in one household, a lot of people, um, you know, so there is that concern. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he, he also mentioned that, you know, this is a, a virus that apparently originated in China and, you know, and that there's an awareness of this virus um, that sort of permeates the community, he said. And, and, and you know, they sort of wonder why everybody else isn't as worried as they are, you know? So it's sort of the, the opposite of what, what you might hear from other families. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, and that combines with the anti-Asian sentiment and violence that we've seen. Um, so all of that combined uh, is sort of leading to an increased wariness um, a, a distrust, perhaps, of some of the um, advice that's coming out from health professionals, um, because things are changing so much. And so what kinds of options are available to families who aren't able to secure an online spot for their kids? What could they do next? Yeah, so I mean, their choices really are to keep them home. Um, but the problem with that is if they don't show up, to school at the beginning of the year, they're going to lose their spot at that school. They they will assume that they are no shows, and um, they'll lose their spot after a few days in in many districts. So the options are to homeschool, to um, go to a 
a private online school or a charter school that's online. You know, there's there's various options for these families, um, but I don't think that uh, based on the the petition and other things I'm seeing, what they prefer is to be with their school district in the public school district and um, have a distance learning option like they had last year. And are parents threatening to leave the school district, and how could that be? consequential for San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, the reality is districts are funded by the number of students that they have, right? So, um, you know, the districts do not want to lose families. Public schools across the country lost uh, over a million students last year because of school closures and the like. And um, so, uh, you know, the problem is if families leave the district um, because they they don't have the option of, of sending their kids to distance learning, you know, that has long-term consequences on, on, on the financial stability of a district. District. Um, every every student that they lose is ten to twelve thousand or more in state funding, um, and so um, you know it could have long term consequences. Districts are already seeing like San Francisco lost over a thousand students already uh, since the pandemic began. Most districts did. A lot of families did not um, opt for kindergarten, uh, which is an optional grade, and which makes sense, you know, do you want your five-year-old to be doing online kindergarten? So a lot of families, um, you know, didn't participate in kindergarten. Um, so that was kind of expected, but but a lot of families did pull out of, of districts where schools weren't open. They went to the private schools, they went to charter schools or to other districts. Um, you know, so it's interesting because last year, districts lost a lot of uh, families because schools weren't opened. And now we are looking at uh, possibly losing um, families because schools are open. <laughs> so right. it's kind of the reverse. You know, you, you do have that divide in communities of families who want to send their kids back to school are desperate for that and families who are still very wary of the pandemic. We'll be right back. You can support Fifth Emission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Is there a sense of how the San Francisco School District will respond to this? Will they try to retain the families in some way or do they have to stick to this reopening as they've originally planned? You know, districts across the state have been trying to be flexible and sort of accommodate whatever is happening that week, right? Because things are changing so quickly. I mean, the problem is you have to look at um, staffing, for example. So, mm -hmm. you know, you have union contracts and, you know, you have teachers who are assigned to do the online and, and the state law requires that class sizes be similar and all of those types of things. So to, to move around your staff like that um, is really difficult. That said, the district is is looking to try to expand that to accommodate families um, and, and is keeping the application process ongoing, you know, and that's kind of a shift from the, um, you know, the de hard deadline uh, from before. So we'll see. I mean, you know, I think it really depends on Delta. It really depends on when it, when it peaks and when people start feeling a little bit better about it. So far, it, the news is not looking good yet. And so, um, you know, so I think we are going to see sort of increasing demands. There's another petition statewide that had 
uh, more than 10,000 signatures that was going to the governor and legislature, asking them to increase opportunities for distance learning as well. So at the moment, it's a growing chorus of dissent, but we don't really know how that's going to dictate what the, how the district will react. Yeah, I mean, really, we're going to have to look at, um, you know, who shows up on the first days of school over the next few weeks, um, start looking at, and you know, at enrollment and attendance to get a good idea of, of what exactly is happening, what exactly are the families deciding out there, and, um, you know, across all districts. And so, um, you know, Oakland just started. So we'll be looking at, you know, over the next week as they start to get their numbers in, you know, what are the implications of Delta uh, on enrollment? What are we seeing actually in the classrooms? Um, and, and how is that playing out? I mean, on the other hand, what we might see, which we saw last year, was that there was very low transmission in schools despite Delta, and that remains ongoing at year-round schools that started in July. And, you know, families might start feeling more comfortable once they see that there are no cases transmitted at school, and we might see families wanting to actually get back into the schools for for in-person learning in the coming weeks and, and months. So, um, so it's kind of a big question mark right now. I, you know, I've tried to predict things in in the past months, and I'm, you know, not very successful as as most people aren't right now. So there's a lot of unpredictability, and it, it's just going to be a rough ride for a little bit longer, I think. And reopenings have been so politically charged, and state and health officials have been really adamant about returning kids to the classroom because of the mental tolls they've they've had during the pandemic. Are schools prepared to transition the kids in after such a tumultuous year? Yeah, we'll see. I guess that's another we'll see thing, right? I do think that there has been enough, there's been a lot of conversations about this. And, you know, this is where the schools and, and teachers, you know, this is a strong point for them. I mean, they know kids, right? And mm. and and they are um, aware of trauma and what that does uh, for the most part. And, you know, so, so many kids that were already struggling, that were vulnerable and disadvantaged, you know, have been hit harder academically, in some cases emotionally um, and with trauma. And these are, you know, these are communities that are often always under-resourced anyway. Um, and so, you know, we'll, we'll have to see how these kids do when they come back. Mm-hmm. The Delta variant has been such a game changer for all of us in different ways. Has it thrown some assumptions that we've made about the safety of kids in classroom out the window? Or can some of the things that we thought were true about the pandemic or were going to be true, do do they still hold or has the Delta just been, has upended all of that? In general, officials across the country and the state and locally are saying, we are ready for this. We have enough information about the Delta variant and the low incidence rate in kids and transmission rate in general um, and the mitigation uh, efforts in schools that, you know, they they say we feel confident that we have taken the Delta variant into consideration as we recommend schools to reopen. And, um, you know, the big change was was requiring masking in schools. And and so that that's definitely in place um, across the state. I do want to reiterate, we will see cases in schools. That's just part of living in a pandemic. It doesn't mean they're transmitted in schools. 
that's what we'll be looking at. Are they, is there transmission in schools? Um, but what we have seen so far is that people are testing positive, but have are not transmitting it in the school and did not get it at the school. You said you don't like making predictions during a pandemic, but I wonder, like, after over a year of following the school reopening saga, the tug and war over this, is there anything that you as a reporter are bracing yourself for there or, or are expecting of this school year? I actually believe that... Um, there were a lot of lessons learned last year among politicians and and folks on the front lines and and there is a commitment and a dedication to getting kids back in classrooms with their teachers who have such an important impact on their lives and that that dedication among politicians the governor other people is is pretty rabid um and i think it would take an awful lot to shut down the schools again. Um, and, you know, I think we would see bars closed and indoor dining closed and all of those things go away um, before they pull kids out of school again. If you start seeing a lot of cases and transmission and the like where the quarantine kicks in so that not just a few kids with close contact are quarantined, but entire classrooms or entire schools, we could see another round of distance learning or and the like. I I don't expect that now. I'm mm-hmm. not seeing it in the cards. I am seeing, you know, the opposite trends for vaccination and, and such. Um, but you never know. And, you know, uh, national officials are saying, look, if we're starting to see a ton of cases in schools, we may have to, you know, close them. Now, whether they meant just that school or school systems or states, you know, I, I just, I don't see that right now. I think that if they, if they had to, if they have to do anything again, they're going to be very surgical about it because they understand the implications to children. And it was devastating. Jill, there's so much unpredictability in this, and I appreciate you helping us make sense of it all. Thank you for talking to me about it. Oh, my pleasure. I wish I could be more certain and predictable, but (laughs) we're in a pandemic. I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) No, I appreciate it. Thank you, Jill. Thank you. Jill Tucker is an education reporter for The Chronicle. You can find her latest story about how Bay Area parents are pushing for a distance learning option, as well as her ongoing school's coverage on sfchronicle.com or on The Chronicle app. Thank you to King Coffin for producing this episode and to you for listening.